You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hogger Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 91 of East Central Indiana's favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill, and today we're joined by co-hosts Dakota Davis, Chase Payton, and Chris Guffey sitting in today. Today's episode is going to be featuring uh, our guest, Mr. Jim Lucas, who is the district number 69 state representative uh, for the state of Indiana. We're going to be talking to him about uh, the legislation that he's proposed, the uh, specifically a couple pieces that he proposed last year in uh, 2018, and we're going to be talking about his goals for the 2019 legislative session as well. So make sure you stick around till the end uh, to hear about that. Awesome. So uh, this show is pay- uh, supported by our Patreon group. So uh, patreon.com slash Liberty. That's what pays the bills, pays for the studio, takes care of us. Uh, if you're a Patreon member, you do get extra access and extra extra content. Uh, you will notice tonight that there was a little uh, a little audio file that dropped in. Uh, it was emailed to everybody. Uh, Chris Guffey is going to be challenging Cade Coger, Cade, Cade and Logan Cook, the MMA uh, style Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy mm-hmm. uh, who was on last week. They rolled for the Patreon people last week, and and now Chris, you're going to do that next week, yeah, or I, sometime, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. I have 10 bucks. He lasts a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're taking action already. Yeah, we uh, are. All right. So uh, one more real quick thank you. Uh, we've got to thank Jerry Williams here at the top of the show. She uh, she supported us on the Amazon wish list. I looked around the studio today, and Dakota has done incredible work. We've got new sound tiles up. Uh, Jerry sent us uh, some corner sound tiles. Yeah, Those are all up actually, on the walls. Uh, she finished out buying all the corner sound tiles that we needed for the, stu- the uh, studio. So... Our acoustics in here sound amazing now. Sound a lot better than uh, they did before, and I think we're about as close to perfect as we can. So thank you, Jerry, for that. Um, also, she sent us a really cool note about us uh, uh, keeping keeping uh, motivated, and it's always good to hear feedback like that from uh, from listeners. Absolutely. All right. So we got we do have Jim on the line. Uh, Jim Lucas is the state representative from uh, I guess it is District sixty nine. Jim. Yes, Seymour. Seymour. So it's Seymour, North Vernon, kind of down Jennings County, that, down in that part of the world, right? Yes, sir. So the first time Jim Lucas ran across my radar, he I, he probably has no recollection of this, but in 2012, you were it was the fall you were running for uh, for state rep. It was your you were seeking your first term, and there was a you were in North Vernon at the uh, at the theater. There was a big. We listened to every county council, county commissioner. State representative. I was work, running around with Rex Bell. I was working with his congressional campaign at the time, and he was. I was. I was a state rep candidate, District Fifty Four, up up north. But Rex is running for Congress, so I followed him down there. And I heard this guy Jim Lucas talk, and every answer he gave was right in line with the platform and the things I was running for. So I, I heard you speak. Rex Rex finished up. That we were at the end of the night. And we went backstage, and I got in line to talk to Jim and tell him all about the Libertarian Party. And he said, "Don't worry about." It. Rex told me, "Don't worry about it." Right? We already talked, and Jim's Jim's one of our guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, I mean, liberty and freedom are pretty easy things to believe in. It's just, you know, if you're willing to be intellectually honest and accept the responsibilities that come with it, it's the greatest thing on earth. Uh, protecting it's the hard part. So, so what what got you into uh, to be motivated? You've got you're a small business owner, right? So that did that is yes. that what led you into seeking seeking the office and and finally putting your name on the ballot? Actually, it's kind of a an odd story. I used to be. I mean, couldn't care less about politics. I, you know, wasn't involved and just indifferent. Not that I was against it, but just wasn't really um, into it. But our city council, this was back in, I believe, 07, um, they, 06, they, they were discussing passing a smoking ban in our town. And I, I don't smoke. I mean, I have, you know, a good cigar every once in a while. Yeah. But it, it, it off that the government could tell me what I could and couldn't do with my property. So I started going to city council meetings, and uh, one of the council women at large, we, we had a, a, a um, spirited discussion going on, and I just flat out asked her, I said, so you mean to tell me as a small business owner I could be working late of an evening, standing in my doorway, you know, having a beer and smoking a cigar, and a policeman can drive onto my property and issue me a ticket? And she said yes. And the second the word yes come out of her mouth, I'm, I told myself, I'm running against you. Because, you know, that ticked me off. And, and I, I, the way I looked at it, if, if she could do it, I could do it. Or if, if the rest of them up there, um, you know, were, were making those decisions, why not me? So I, I went home and told my wife. I said, hey, I think I'm gonna, going to run for city council. She laughed. She, she said, you're an idiot. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, Next thing you know, I put my name on the ballot. I had no clue what I was doing, but I had strong enough name ID. I, I, I won that election. And then it was amazing because Seymour is just like any other small town. You've got you know a lot of great people that, that really care about the community, and they run for office. But there were, more often than not, the votes were unanimous at 7-0-7-0. And I started to uh, started research, and when I would speak up, and still to this day, when I vote no, I say, you know, on this issue, I'm going to vote no. And here's my reason I'm going to vote no. And uh, here's my solution. And next thing you know, we started uh, moving the clock a little bit and, and making some headway and, and getting some things changed. And after that, you know, I, I saw that that one person speaking out could make a difference. And, and so I got bit by the bug and ran for state. I uh, ran in 2010. But uh, got close, but no cigar, and ran in 12, and uh, won that one. I've been up there ever since. So that's my my foray into politics. So in in 2012, you was it an open seat, or did you have to did you have to beat somebody, or well, uh, did you have to uh, uh, defeat an incumbent? No, it, it, that was the year that they changed districts, and the incumbent at that time was going to run. It was it was odd because Thursday. I got a call from the local newspaper and asked, you know, hey, you're running against a pretty entrenched incumbent. How do you feel? And I'm like, good. You know, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I take it right at them. And uh, the following Tuesday, I got a call from the paper saying that they had dropped out. So wow. like on the yeah, on the Republican ticket, I, I think he saw the writing on the wall, and and uh, how that turned out. So. Uh, there was another a person ran on the Democrat ticket, so we ran that fall, and we won pretty well. I mean, we have a strong message, and it's one that reaches across the aisle, and, and I hate playing politics. I don't believe in Republican, Democrat, or anything like that. It's uh, it's either statist or individual, 
that's how I view government. So in your uh, in your time in in the uh, in the state house, I, I guess the there are a couple of issues that you have have been highlighting and have been the they've all been freedom issues or liberty type issues. Uh, sure. You've been you've been very interested in uh, hemp and cannabis and and both medical and and you've been researching researching that issue significantly, taking trips and and trying to be out in front with. I guess Senator Talian has also taken that one up. She's had it for years. I just got involved in this a couple of years ago when the CBD issue. And there was another issue I was indifferent on. You know, I didn't know that much about it, but I. Either way, if that's what somebody wants to do, let them do it. But when the state got into that mess, you know, like we couldn't figure out if it was legal or illegal, and that was embarrassing. And then there was a family, the Jerger family, um, their daughter was having up to about 200 seizures a day, and they had pretty much blown through all traditional forms of medicine, and the side effects were just really debilitating for their daughter, and they discovered CBD, and it Pretty much, they went from 200 seizures a day to, I think, four, almost none. But then the Department of Child Services got involved and threatened to take their daughter away from them because they were, you know, using non-traditional methods. And uh, Senator Mesmer stepped in at that time and and kind of um, cooled things off a little bit. But that that really got my attention. And the more I educated myself on, on CBD, the more I became convinced that, you know, that was the right way to go. We should be, I hate to say legalizing it because that implies that the government is in control. I'd much rather use the word decriminalize. You know, why are we criminalizing good people that that are just searching for a better quality of life? And that was, and then, the, the CBD issue was one where public sentiment really kicked in in a hurry a couple of years ago when, when, the, state oh, boy, police, when the state police started raiding, raiding grocery stores. Sure. You know, again, and that was embarrassing. And then people, um, small business owners were losing their livelihood and, and people weren't getting the relief anymore that they had found in something that's natural. And basically, you know, Hoosier farmers had been growing for years. And then that that education process naturally segued into the cannabis issue. And I am just, I am 100% committed and full throttle on both of those issues right now because it just makes so much sense. And after becoming known, I mean, I keep a pretty open Facebook page, but I have literally had hundreds, if not thousands of people send me their personal stories telling me how much they've been helped by this. And, you know, when you hear that, and even though some of the naysayers in opposition, they'll say, oh, that's just anecdotal evidence. I don't care. You know, that's people having a better quality of life. So uh, that's a, a, a fight that I will gladly take on and we're going to win this. So what brought you into this was the CBD oil and then that took you down the path of looking at hemp and, and medical cannabis. That's just kind of been a natural evolution since you since you joined the state house? Yes. That's it exactly. All right. Oh, very good. We're having, we're playing with some audio adjustments over here. So that Dakota's Dakota Dakota just tried to make an adjustment and he cut the audio out completely there for a second. I've got you back. Um all right. So then and today I guess as you're, it's not been signed into law yet, but one of the barriers to hemp in the state of Indiana, our, our state senator here is Gene Lysing, who chairs the Ag Committee. And yes. we've had this conversation with her a number of times. And what she has gone back to uh, is the federal prohibition on, on industrial hemp. It's saying well, it's the state, not there anymore. Right. So, so the Ag Bill that, that, that uh, is going to be signed into law 
that excuse is gone now. That's gone. Absolutely. And you know what? I like Cinder Lysing. She's a great woman. She's done a lot of great things. But on this issue, you know, the, the people that are against that, they, I, I just don't see um, that they have a leg to stand on. It just doesn't, it simply doesn't make sense. And especially, you know, once you take your time to, to educate yourself between the difference of industrial hemp and cannabis, there really is, there, again, it, it's inconceivable how, how you could be against this. So it, we, we've talked about this from a market side as well on this show over, over the last year and a half. We, 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 you're, you're the fourth state legislator to join our program. Uh, Senator Kreider's been on, uh, State Representative uh, Wright has been on, and then uh, Representative Saunders has been on. Uh, and, and we, at the beginning of last year, we kind of previewed the cycle knowing the CBD thing was coming, and, and we had a lot of conversations over the last year over industrial hemp and trying to open up markets for our agriculture community. Very, we're very strongly listened to. Uh, we, we call ourselves the number one uh, tractor podcast or combine podcast in Indiana. A lot of the guys <laughs> listening are in, are in tractors running beans or corn. Um, and they're looking for other markets and other places they can, they can use their product. Uh, so potentially industrial hemp is, is that path for some of those folks. Sure. Oh, it's huge. Uh, when you look at what other states are doing with, and not just growing it, you know, it, it's nice. That, that from what I understand, it's really good for your soil. You know, it takes a lot of the bad things out and, and adds nutrients. And if nothing else, it, it offers an option for a crop rotation, which is good. You know, let the farmers decide. Let let them uh, see what works out best for them. But from there, there are so many uses of of hemp and hemp byproducts. I mean, it's just unreal. I did an interview at the state house today with uh, David Williams on channel eight and I keep up in my office, a, a door panel made out of hemp. Right. And there's a, a, a auto parts manufacturer here in Indiana that is manufacturing auto parts, you know, panels like that with hemp. And he's buying 40 tons a week from overseas. And to just keep that, that one manufacturer supplied would take a farm of about 4,000 acres is what I'm told. And, you know, that's just an auto part. So you look, Indiana's the number one manufacturing state in the nation. Um, we're one of the top agricultural states in the nation. And on top of that, the, the icing on the cake is we have Purdue University, which is one of the top technology and agricultural universities on the planet. So, uh, you know, if I were running the show, you give me those three things, and I would make sure the agencies that were in charge of that, um, they that they were wanting to work with our farmers and not just the farmers but the processors the investors people that want to come in uh, the retailers the manufacturers um, you know with hemp you can you can make clothing you can make food um, obviously cbd medicine call it whatever you want but there are so many uses for the hemp plant that it's it's literally um, i don't know that there's any limits to it and the fact that we're the crossroads of america with with our location as a state and with our experience, there's no reason Indiana can't be the number one hemp state in the nation. We're, we're, we've been uh, challenged by the folks down south in Kentucky, where they, they, they embraced this about five years before Indiana finally got to it. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're good people. You know what? And, and can, uh, they're, uh, Brian Furnish, uh, he was uh, president of the Hemp Council down there. And I, I've met with several state officials, um, their Ag Commissioner Quarles. They have been nothing but just incredibly helpful, and I cannot say enough great things about them. Um, but it's a friendly rivalry. You know, I keep teasing Brian and, and the guys down there that, you know, one of these days we're going to pass you up. And, and, you know, Brian, of course, kids me. He said, you know, we're going to be so far ahead of you guys. 
by the time you get your heads out of your rear and figure this out, that there's going to be no catching them. So, you know, challenge accepted. So Kentucky, here we come. But Colorado, um, I believe they planted uh, 29,000 acres this year, and, and they're bumping up to 40,000, I believe, next year. I, I flew out to Colorado earlier um, this summer and met with, with some of their state officials and, and senators. And it's just, they've embraced it. And that's the key to this. You know, we have to get our our leaders to embrace this issue. Um, it, it's kind of frustrating from a, from a, a constitutionalist, limited government position, you know, that we're spending tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to, to try and attract new businesses to come in here and retrain people. You know, this is something we wouldn't have to spend a dime on. Just get the hell out of everybody's way and let it happen. It's uh, it's just a government prohibition that, that's standing in the way of uh, of, a, of a potential cash crop. As government does so well in so many things. And, and at the same time, we've got you know, we, we unfortunately in this tariff war, the ag community is you know, this is a this is a huge opportunity for those guys. Oh, it's unreal. You know, and and that's the thing too, guys. This you don't get opportunities like this that often. You know, when you get a whole new industry that's coming in, and now that um, I had legislation last year, I believe there were 10 pieces of legislation that dealt with the CBD issue. Mine was the only one that dealt with hemp. And what it did, it set up the infrastructure in Indiana and allowed for the whole plant to be utilized. And and I had so many people contact me, people willing to invest. I mean, they were they were ready to write checks for tens of millions of dollars to come to our state. And then that bill just went south really quick, and it was frustrating. I ended up killing it myself because I, I didn't want a bad bill out there because you get a bill out there, and they, they tend to take on a life of their own, and I would just rather start fresh this year. But had my bill passed in its original form last year, um, we got it out of the House unanimously. We would have been – everything would have been in place. We would have been sitting just ready to go you know, ready for the green flag to drop and, and let the race begin. But here we, we've got to start over, but that's in the past. You know, I want to look forward and, and see what we can do and get Indiana position, take advantage of this opportunity. So when you're dealing with the hemp issue, uh, going into this new, the long session that's coming up, do you have, do you have a bill that, that'll be coming, be introduced just dealing with industrial hemp and then another one yes. that looks at medical marijuana? There's, there's separate issues, I assume? Yes, yes. Uh, completely separate. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got a, a sedan, automobile, and a pickup truck. You know, they're both vehicles, but completely different. And what, uh, I, you, obviously, there was a summer study committee uh, this last cycle. Um, do you know? Do you have an indication from leadership? Are you going to get assigned to committees that are actually going to work on the bills? And you've got a they've got a a, a, a potential to become law at the end of this this process. Uh, which which what are we talking about I, here? I guess, uh, it, hemp it, it, or let, well, hemp or cannabis? Let's let's start with hemp, and then we'll talk cannabis on the sec, on the back end. I guess. Uh, yes, on the hemp, it, it's basically a remake of last year's legislation, which it was recognized as, as being one of the best parts, uh, pieces of hemp legislation in the nation. I, I had a, uh, a law firm out in Colorado that deals specifically um, in on those issues, cannabis and hemp. And, you know, they know what's going on in each state. And, and that's the beautiful part on both issues. Now, I, I want to be careful to not confuse or mix the issues, so I, I will spell that out when I, when I talk about it. But on both of those issues, we took best practices from the states that are doing it. And, you know, we learn from their mistakes. We're, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to. Uh, again, Kentucky, 
bent over backwards trying to help me out. They gave me so many good pointers and tips and things to look at, things, you know, pitfalls, mistakes that they had made. And they didn't, you know, they didn't want us making the same mistakes. They were just great people down there. And we rolled that into a great piece of legislation, and it got through, and it just, um, you know, it just didn't work out. So I'm bringing that back this year, and, and we kind of tweak that with the assumption that the, the farm bill, the hemp language in the farm bill would pass. So basically, uh, we've kind of transitioned into more of setting up a regulatory structure, you know, for hemp and, and giving some guidelines on that. So I, I, I hate to say I'm 100% confident, but I'm 100% confident that Indiana is going to be doing something with hemp this year. And if, if we don't, you know, there needs, there needs to be some heads on the chop, chopping block on that because it's just, it's too good of an opportunity. Um, we have too much potential to, to do too many good things to not take advantage of the hemp opportunity. Will that, uh, I've, I've lost my mic. <laughs> Dakota Tech, see what you get. So, uh, with the uh, moving forward with the with the hemp, it, I guess I, I'm kind of lost because I've been trying to trying to mix with all the audio. But um, I do want to talk <coughs> about marijuana legalization and your and your bill that you authored last year, which was uh, House Bill 1106. Um, yes, which dealt with medical. The language in it was something that I absolutely adored whenever you wrote it, uh, talking about just uh, permitting all of the the cultivation, the cultivation, the dispensing, and the use of medical marijuana by people with medical serious medical conditions. Um, it requires the State Department of Health to implement and enforce the medical marijuana program, and it also prohibits the discrimination against ma- medical marijuana users and uh, prevents uh, local law enforcement from uh, working with the federal government, which where it's still illegal uh, to bring prosecution down onto uh, persons who are trying to use medical marijuana here. Um, sure. So, what was uh, what what's been uh, your biggest motivation behind medical marijuana? Um, it saves. Well, number one, it saves lives. We've seen a, a JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, has a report, and you go on there. If anybody has a computer, Google it right now. Just put JAMA, uh, medical cannabis, opioid deaths, and it'll show you. Um, the, the states that have medical cannabis have seen an average 25% reduction in opioid deaths, and that's average. Some states have seen higher. And when you look at Indiana, you know, we're in the midst of an opioid epidemic, and last year our numbers were greater than they were the year before. And I believe there are 1,840 Hoosiers, I believe, that overdosed last year. If, even if we just did the average, if, if we saw the average, that's, you know, 450 Hoosier lives that could have been saved in one year. Two years, you're talking a 1,000 lives. You know, it doesn't take very long before you rack up, and you're saving literally thousands of lives but just by just getting the hell out of the way of a product that mankind has been using for thousands of years, 33 other states now have it. California, you know, took this on in 1996. So there's 22 years of history, research, and science here on the American continent of a state that has it. Okay. And the beautiful thing about cannabis, you cannot physically die from an overdose on cannabis. I tried. I I went to Colorado. (laughs) I went to Colorado, and I wanted to see for myself. I wanted to compare hangovers, you know, an alcohol hangover. Um compared to a cannabis hangover. And I 
I gave it a world-class effort, and I got to the point where I literally could not do anymore. But I was still, you know, I was still coherent, uh, still functional, could still think, couldn't, you know, I was very comfortable and relaxed. So I went to bed, and I'm like, okay, you know, see what tomorrow morning's going to be. Slept like a baby. Best night's sleep I think I've ever had in my life. I woke up before the alarm went off, and, and the cool thing was I woke up zero hangover, and the amazing thing was how good I felt. And, and I felt good because I'm 54. I'm hard on my body. I ache all the time. I eat a leave like it's candy, which is you know, not good for your liver, but that's what we're stuck with right now, thanks to our government. So, but I woke up and I felt good, and I was refreshed, relaxed. I was in a good mood. Okay, when you're in a good mood, you're fun to be around. Uh, and so, and that right there just solidified it for me. I'm like, why in the hell are we criminalizing this, you know, plant? So are you having to go to Michigan now, Jim, on the weekends to get relief? Is that is that what you're telling us? Well, yeah, you know, guys, I'm not going to give all my secrets out. No, but sadly, here we are. We're are, are watching I-69 real tough right now. Well, the thing is, you know... Uh, that that road money, we are going to have to add three and four lanes to not just Michigan, but now Illinois. You know, incoming Governor-elect Pritzker, uh, he's made it one of his priorities for Illinois to go recreational. And don't forget, you know, Canada is not that far away. You have a whole country to the north of us that's just, you know, we are surrounded by people that have that have woken up and they're in the 21st century. Um, you know, I've made the joke before, and it's kind of sad. This is, well... 2019 next year, uh, that, that gives me 81 years to drag Indiana kicking and screaming into the 21st century. I laugh all the time at the stories that I see coming. Uh, you know, the, the state police or the local media will they'll, they'll send out a press release, or you'll see it in the local paper where that you know you've had some some bust of I call them tourists, somebody that came from Colorado and is going to going to another legal state on the East Coast potentially, uh, and they, yeah. they made the sorry sorry mistake of getting stopped on I-70 here in Henry County and. Next thing you know, they're in our county jail and they're taking up resources because they had something a plant that was legal in, in 30 states. Sure. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the thing is, of the, the, I think it's 33 now that have medical, um, and I point this out, truth, facts, reason, and logic. And if you guys, if you're ever on my Facebook page, I'd say that as, as much as possible. Um, but, you know, the facts are that of the states that have adopted medical, not one has rescinded it. I mean, not one. Now, not, that's not to say that they don't have issues, you know, starting out, and there's hiccups and, and, and speed bumps and things like that. But um, smart legislators figure it out, and people willing to be intellectually honest and, and see the benefits of this. And we have to be cautious, though. You know, this isn't the magic wand. It's not the end-all, be-all to everything. And, you know, you have to be careful with it. But, uh, again, compared to many of the prescription medications that, that we're forced to deal with today, um, you don't see on cannabis may cause thoughts of suicide or, um, you know, your body builds up a tolerance like a leaf, you know, which eventually can destroy your liver or, or so many other side effects. I think we worked out whatever our audio problem was and we got it fixed. So, Jim, if you've got us on the live stream, if you could mute it on your side, I think we're getting a touch of feedback. But I think we finally have uh, finally have solved our audio issue for the people watching the live stream. The people watching on Facebook hear us now the podcast the <laughs> podcast will be fine but the uh, the people watching the live stream have been uh, have been have been yelling at us Is this better <laughs> we've been yeah we've been playing audio engineer over here but i think i think we've got it solved now so we, okay we should be good uh, i i think the problem I'm watching you guys i only see one beer bottle on the table <laughs> well that's my that's my beer bottle and i would have more but there okay. it's a it's a comedy of errors tonight my microphone has already quit so i stole chris's and uh my little uh 
<laughs> my my head my headset splitter. I'm holding it in my right hand underneath the table because it <laughs> fell off of the table. So everything it, it's always a work of, our, of of progress over here. We're very well, good at looking professional uh, on the surface. James, yeah, is what we're trying to say. It's it's, it's that, one of those where you look good, but not, under the table you might not be wearing any pants. It's just a, it's just well, it's a cluster. <laughs> I'll take your word for it on the pants. <laughs> no, I've got them. I wore them on. I wore. I even wore slacks today. I'm all so, fancy. Uh, so, Jim, tell me as you've as you've been researching medical marijuana and uh, just marijuana in general across the state. What what has the feedback been for uh, uh, for Hoosiers that you talk to? Oh my God, that's this has been one of the wildest trips. It's been really cool because uh, I, I'm kind of a unique position. I'm known as you know the gun nut guy. So the the really right-wing, far-right, radical person, that unreasonable and stuff like that because of my unwavering stance on our gun rights. So many on the left really, uh, you know, that there's not a whole lot of love. But they also realize, you know, that because the left and, and the Democrats, who greatly respect, this has always been one of their issues, and you just don't hear that many Republicans talking about it. And if they did, they weren't very vocal about it. Right. But... Um, but hats off to Senator Talian and, you know, Representative Arrington. They've been working years on this issue, but just the simple fact that Republicans have a supermajority super in both chambers, um, you know, their, their issues never really got any traction. Well, I believe in this 100%, and, and I was raised, you know, you, you need to go full throttle on stuff that you believe in, and that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm committed to it. We started getting traction, and the fact with, you know, my, my Facebook um, page, we – um, get a lot of people that interact on there, and sometimes that can be very interesting. But once I became known for it, people started sending me their stories. And, and like I said, that really that touches your heart when you hear people um, that tell you their personal stories. I've, I've had people, one of the, the neatest things, I had an elderly gentleman stopped in my business, and he was crying. And he just he said, I just want to shake your hand. And I'm like, for what? You know, it's kind of odd. And he said, you know, I... I've taken every kind of medication I know what to take for payment. Nothing works. And I smoke marijuana every day. And he said, it's the only thing that makes me feel good. And I can be productive when I take it. And he said, I'm tired of feeling like a criminal. And it's so good to see this, you know, people talking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, 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 the most brutal control groups ever for something like this three years ago elderly conservative Republicans. You know, if you were at a town hall meeting or something like that and you bring up the word marijuana, I mean, they would have run you out of there on a rail. But, again, I, the, the key was educating myself just enough where, you know, I, I could speak about the, the issue somewhat intelligently, and, and I continued to educate myself as much as possible. But I, I was telling the people, and elderly, that group is one of the fastest-growing groups to accept it because, you know, they're, they're very sensitive to many these prescription drugs, um, the side effects can have tremendous effect on them, um, opioids, and, and, but they found cannabis, and once they get past the stigma of the only way you can ingest it is smoking, you know, there's edibles, which is a great way for, for the elderly, um, you know, vape pens, which are much nicer, uh, you have creams, uh, inhalers, there are just so many different ways to get in your system, and the fact that they can figure out their dosages on their own without causing harm to themselves. You know, you can't really experiment with, with hydrocodone the way you, you can, uh, you know, purple kush. So, you know, you, you take too much hydrocodone, you're going, you'll end up in the morgue. You know, you take too much purple kush, you're, 
anxiety or something like that, okay, you take some CBD, it will bring you down. Okay, next time, cut your dosage in half or by a quarter or something. So it, it's it's very user friendly in that manner. So what about uh, what about in the state house? Whenever you're talking to fellow legislators in Indianapolis, what uh, what do they typically say to you about it? Who's the guy on the left in the black shirt there? Uh, that's that is- Chris Guffey. Chris, uh, they they laughed kind of how the way Chris was just laughing right there. <laughs> you know, they, they kind of shake their head and they can't believe it because you know um, I, I speak so openly about it. But I'm kind of the canary in the coal mine. You know, I've survived politically, and, and I didn't go up to the state house for a political career. I went up there to do the right thing. So it doesn't bother me to speak out. And as a matter of fact, you know, that's what we need to do. But. Um, We've got a lot of traction on this issue, and, and when you look at the polls, I'm not a poll-driven person. I, I, I'm a I'm a right or wrong-driven person. But this is something. This issue polls probably higher than any other issue that I know of across the lines. You know, it's not a Democrat issue or Republican issue. This is a a quality of life issue, and, and people uh, once they get past the the stigma, now they're. And I've said, let me back up. Last year, the two biggest challenges that I saw, number one was stigma. Number two was ignorance. And now that, that people see that the fear-mongering simply isn't true, and, you know, the, they are hearing of the benefits. They're educating themselves on the benefits. They're talking to people that have done it and have weaned off of opioids and, and living a better quality of life. Now stigma, it, it, that decreases almost daily. Now it's ignorance, but it's ignorance in a good way because people want to educate themselves on it. I see you so, I, I, you know, we are just... I'm yeah. sorry? I, said, I was just going to say, you've been doing your Operation Education on your on your Facebook page. I've been seeing uh, constant posts from you on there that uh, are trying to educate the, the citizens on medical marijuana and what it is and why you shouldn't be so scared of it. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I... Sometimes, you know, you wake up at 3, my brain won't shut down. I wake up at 3 and I'm like, okay, get on, you know. And I'll research and read and, and go through emails of, of all the contacts. And that's another great thing. I mean, people that are reaching out to me in the industry, you know, doctors, uh, nurses, healthcare professionals, uh, people that still are a little bit leery. They, they, they don't want to come out just yet, but they're feeding me so much information and, and giving me, you know, really great stories and, and a lot of support. It, it's just, it is incredible to see the amount of support that's out there. And it's I, I really look forward to next session. So we've been hearing from you, Jim, on the, uh, on the, on the medical side. Uh, anything on the recreational side, or is that, is that a future conversation, kind of a linear one time conversation? No, I have legislation that, will, that takes 30 grams or less down to a, a D infraction, basically a seatbelt violation. You get caught with it, and... Uh, but it also sets standards for impairment levels. And, you know, working, that's one of the, the benefits of, of working with the caliber of people that I've been exposed to. Uh, the attorneys out in, in Colorado, you know, they, they see what's working in all the other states across the nation that have had the courage to adopt this. So we, we set a level and we set testing methods. And I, I spent uh, several hours in the state house today meeting with people in the industry, you know, the technology that's out there. And it, it, I, I want to grip my teeth when I hear, you know, oh, we need to study this more. Well, I just met with a group today that's been doing this for, you know, 15 years. 
So what the hell more do we need to study? We don't need to study anything. We just need to adopt, you know, adopt what's working and, and quit making excuses and, you know, jump in there, start saving lives, start giving Hoosiers the option at a better quality of life, um, you know, over the medication that they're taking today. So leaders need to lead. And, then, and that's, what, that's going to be one of my key factors at the Statehouse is trying to you know, push people, step up the plate a little bit, and let's do what's right. So you, you mentioned earlier that you're, you're kind of known for two things. One is, one is the cannabis issue. And yes. the other thing that you've become known for now is the um, uh, is the is strong support of the Second Amendment and and, and and not regulating the Second Amendment. And you correct. You, you got some headlines. Uh, we were supportive on our side, but you got some headlines uh, when you said you basically took the language that we used to try to regulate the Second Amendment to regulate the First <laughs> Amendment. So, oh, yeah. so I want to know as a, as an upcoming podcast. Well, I guess we're media members over here now. What do we have to do to get our to get our official uh, media license from uh, from from state state uh, representative Jim? Well, it would be the exact same process that you have to get your license to carry. I mean, you 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 guys have to go get fingerprints taken, do a background check, and you know pay the state pay the state a fee to exercise your constitutional First Amendment right. So I've got to go. I got to go get fingerprinted at the uh, at the sheriff's department to 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 be able to run my microphone for safe for public safety. Yes, yes. And if you screw up, I'm going to take your license away from you. You screw up bad enough, and it's a felony, and I'll never let you near another microphone as long as you live. Well, what if I what if I own the microphone, Jim, and it's my microphone? Well, it doesn't matter. It's you know, if you commit a felony, you know, running your gums in a to the level that it would. Uh, um, say I wave a loaded gun at you. That's a felony. Nobody was hurt, but it was a stupid action, but that's a felony. I can no longer have a gun, let alone carry a gun. Okay, now you do something irresponsible like tell an intentional lie or slander, you know, somebody. Well, that right there, you know, I, I want to make that a felony. So now you can never get near a microphone again. What if I just want a semi-automatic microphone, not a fully automatic microphone? <laughs> you know, it doesn't, you can't put a bump stock on it either, so that way you speak faster. So. so the actually, whenever I was doing the, all the research and compiling notes and things for this episode, uh, I did look up your licensing of the First Amendment, and the first article that popped up was a USA Today article, and I was like, dang, this got reached. <laughs> oh, that went national, and the, the coolest thing, and well, I mean, I, I've had so many cool things. I, I live life on the edge out there, and, and I, I have a lot of fun. But you, anyway, you, the you've become the is, second most famous guy in Indiana from Seymour. Uh, you're probably referring to John Mellencamp? Y- yes, that'd be the one. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm working on that. <laughs> well, when it's, I, gover- I, when it's Governor Lucas, nobody's going to remember Jack and Diane. Well, you know, never, never say never. <laughs> but no, getting singled out by Keith Olbermann, and he called me a sociopath. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, uh, I wear that with a badge of honor like you would not believe. I believe it. I believe it. As yeah, should, USA sir. Today, I think uh, New York Times picked some stuff up on it, and uh, we had yeah. a lot of fun with that. And it, the, the coolest thing was, obviously, I mean, all jokes aside now, serious, I did that to put things in perspective. And it, and I actually had another draft that that took our right to vote, um, you know, go to church, 
anything. You had to get a license, but you had to go through the same process um, that we do with our Second Amendment right. But I wanted to pick on the media for a reason because, you know, so many people in the, in, in the media are demanding that we enact these common-sense gun laws, and they're okay with licensing. So when I had that, that amendment drafted up, I went into LSA, the Legislative Services Agency, and I said, hey, I, I want you to take the exact same language, the exact same method we use to carry a handgun Indian and apply it towards professional journalists. Did the, did they double take? Did they did they take you seriously? They have to. You know, I'm I'm duly elected official, and that's their job to draft it. And but people up there kind of know. You know, they know where I'm at. And so I had that drafted. And when I offered, I was going to offer it. People went berserk. Um, I I opened that up. I was doing a radio show, sitting in with John Crawl, who uh, you know, John. He and I go round and round the gun issues all the time. And when I point out. I, I would give a thousand dollars to have a picture to look on his face when I showed him. He's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? He goes, it's unconstitutional. I'm like, well, wait a minute now. I use the exact same language that you say is okay for my Second Amendment rights, and I merely apply to the First Amendment rights. So how does it all of a sudden become unconstitutional? Well, you know, and that went nationwide, and and that was funny. Like USA Today, and you go back and read you read those stories, and people, it's it's funny as hell that the length they went to to just absolutely de- insist that that is unconstitutional, but not one person could ever tell me the difference. Right. So yeah, exactly. You know, I did it to prove a point. And, and again, my point's made now, isn't it abhorrent? Absolutely. I mean, it looks ugly in print. I mean, when you <laughs> see something like that, you talk about some, especially the one, you know, to vote or to go to church, you have to have a license. When you look at that, um, a special libertarian, a, a true freedom-loving person, it, it makes your skin crawl. But yeah. again, what if, the question—what if somebody you know, gets the idea it, to actually pass your bill, Jim? <laughs> You're going to well, give them ideas now. Well, um, but the thing is, when you know, and what what I want to impress upon people: if we tolerate the licensing or the infringement of one constitutional right, you're putting all the rest of them in play. Right. Yeah. What's uh? What's what's the stop from going to any constitutional right? I think your point Bingo. was well made, at least for me. Yeah. Well, that was something we talked about that on our show. That was one of the Bingo. earlier times that you got brought up was talking about that, uh, that proposal. Um, and we were all we were like big fans of it. We were hooting we, and hollering over here. We in talk a lot about Justin Amash on this show and Thomas Massey and in the State House. It's a lot of a lot of Jim Lucas. You, your name is uh is is well spoken of around here. That's the best compliment I think I've had in a long, long time. <laughs> you have fans in Newcastle, so good. If you if you ever get disheartened, just think of this. <laughs> and uh, and a very loyal audience over here. All right, so if uh, it it won't be Bill Ten Twenty Two, that's what it was last time. But the basically constitutional right to carry a handgun. There are other states that have this in place now. It's yes. not it's not just Indiana trying to be the first state to to pass this uh, this legislation. Uh, no. Well, you know, Vermont's had it since 1791, and when I, I called out there and, and spoke with their their, their police superintendent, uh, of course they grew up with it, and he laughed. You know, he, Indiana's kind of the laughing stock of the nation on several of these things, and it's, but I'm like, hey, I'm trying. You know, give me a break, dude. <laughs> and he was very helpful, and he and I said, you know, how do you determine, you know, because that was one of the things which. 
we're all in the same boat. We believe in freedom. But I said, help me, you know, counter the argument. If you pull somebody over, how do you know if they're a bad guy? He goes, how do you know now? He said, you know, your little card isn't going to stop somebody from shooting you. Yeah. Which, you know, he didn't tell me anything I didn't know. He already confirmed it. But it was so, it was really nice to hear somebody, you know, a, a government official, superintendent of their police force that spoke such common sense. Yeah, it's you like... Know, it, <laughs> Just because someone can pay $75 and get their fingerprints taken at a sheriff's office doesn't make them a good person. doesn't affect your morality. No, and, and you look at the mass shooters. What is over 90% of mass shooters have passed a background check? Yep. Yeah, this is, a, this is a big one. This is another one that we talked about last year uh, as well whenever 1022 was introduced. Uh, in the language of it, though, it, it does mention that uh, unlawful carrying of a handgun is a level four felony. Uh, one of the things that makes it unlawful is when a person is less than 23 years of age. Uh, why 23? Why eight? Why? I mean, why? You tell me. <laughs> that's stupid. I mean, um, you know, I'm a, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17. I went in 0311 Infantry. I wanted to just get right in the middle of the fun stuff. Oh, carry heavy things, huh? Walked at long distances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got you. 11B over here. I want to be point man. So that was that was how I'm wired. It, it, my thinking is if you're 18 and you could sign up and, and offer your life in defense of your country, um, you know, you're – Considered an adult, so now you can be charged with felonies. You can enter into contract. You can go to college and you know sign up for six digits of debt at eighteen. Uh, why in the hell can't you carry a gun? I know, because I'm sitting over here. I'm I'm uh, two weeks away, I guess, from turning twenty three. So I'm like, I have my my weapons permit right now. So I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> What what would happen if uh, if all of a sudden I I've been living on my own for four years, you know, and paying my bills, and you know that's something that's uh, always irritated me as a younger person is I I moved out of my parents' house when I was eighteen. I got a full time job working as an electrician, and so I've been a a fully independent adult since I was actually eighteen years old. And then it was like, wait, but I can't go buy a six pack of beer yet. This is weird, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, and that's what kills me. You move out when you're 18. You can go buy. You know, if you had the, the financial means to do so, go sign a contract and buy a new, you know, fifty thousand dollar truck or something like that. Right. Turn around, and say, hey, I want to, I want to, you know, buy this house. So you can enter into a contract and buy a house. So you can do all of that stuff. If you do something bad, oh, you're 18. We're going to charge you with a felony. But you can't defend, you know, so if you can get married when you're 18. You can't defend your wife in your new house with a handgun. Right. Yeah, it's totally nuts. Or uh, you can't you can't go out and, and, and buy alcohol, but yet you can, you know, hey, we're going to send you overseas to fight in some godforsaken country, you know, where you're going to see your friends, you know, hurt, maimed, or killed, but you can't come back to the States and drink a beer. So yeah, whenever I was eighteen, I was I got really excited, you know, as every eighteen year old does, being excited. I you know I'm an adult now, so I went out and I bought uh, my concealed weapons permit, uh, put in the application, paid this processing fees, and went got my fingerprints taken in the whole nine yards. And then after that got done, I uh, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go buy a handgun now because I have my weapons permit. 
And I remember going to the, the local gun store here and they were like, um, <coughs> we can't sell you a firearm because, or we can't sell you a handgun because you're not 21 yet. I said, uh, yeah. but I can carry one with me. <laughs> you, you have to steal it. The law says you have yeah. to steal it. That's yeah. the only way you can do it, Dakota. God love government. Or, you know, you <laughs> commit a felony by having a straw purchase made. Yeah. But now we're going to throw you in jail because you're 18, so now we can charge you with a felony. Exactly. It's nuts. I, I always uh, bring that up because I think that's that's the weirdest thing. And it's always resonated with me as a, being one of the strangest things that's I've ever encountered whenever it comes to, to government. And I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Oh, I could tell you stories for days on end. <laughs> once, once you finish uh, fixing, up, fixing up cannabis and, and, and handguns, are, are you going to make it free for car dealers to be open on Sundays? Um, you know what? I sold cars for about five years, and it's a brutal business. And it's uh, free market being the way it should. You know, let them let it happen. There's a lot of people that, you know, when we started selling alcohol on Sunday, the sky didn't fall. Uh, you know, the earth didn't implode. That's one of those things. Blue laws just drive me nuts. It's it's so, a prohibition thing, right? I mean, it, nobody says that you have to be open that day. You can choose. You don't can choose open. To be open. I own my closed. own business, and I'm open. You know, five days a week, um, Saturdays by appointment, Sundays rarely. You know, if I have to, but just don't open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how hard is What's it? What's so hard about that? But you know what? Hey, let's criminalize people. Let's let's make it a law. You can't sell a car on Sunday. My favorite thing uh, during the the Sunday sales conversations were the the people um, who didn't realize that that the law was because was so that uh, liquor stores didn't have to open up on Sunday, and they thought it was uh, generally just based around the morality of drinking alcohol. And they they're posting things on the internet like. Why can't you drunks just go one day without your booze? <laughs> like you just you don't understand. This isn't what the conversation's about. The conversation is I should be free to go buy booze whenever I want to because I can and I'm an American and that's what I want to do. But then uh yeah, now we can only buy it after after noon to eight PM. Yes. You've got a little bit of freedom. You've got you've yeah. got eight hours of freedom, Dakota. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Well, it was just a little dose. We don't want to, you know, throw too much at you, you know, all at once. You can choke on it. Yeah, then we'd be like Oregon with gas pumps, and we just can't have that here. Right. Oh. <laughs> there were people out there. I read some of those stories. Just shakes your head, and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, we're we're doomed. I have a cousin. I have a cousin who's in the Coast Guard, and he went from Texas to New Jersey, and he 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 came through town last weekend, or I guess Monday night. And he was telling us the story that they still can't pump their own gas in New Jersey, so they are they're prohibited. There are official really? there are official gas station attendants in New Jersey. Oh, I didn't I don't know, know what that, that pays like. Well, New Jersey just uh, passed that magazine ban. Yes, where you what is a level four felony out there? Yeah, level four. Oh my God! Hey, we're going to lock you up in a cage and take away all you can't vote. Uh, you won't be able to have a firearm the rest of your life to protect yourself and family. Because you had this little piece of metal and plastic that held twelve bullets. Isn't isn't uh, New Jersey also the state that told everyone they had to turn in their uh, bump stocks and nobody turned in their bump stocks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Jim was mentioning. <laughs> All right. So yeah. what I was a I, uh, I, I ran for the Henry County Council uh, and as a libertarian I, I did not win this last cycle but we we had a good showing. But one of the biggest issues we've been talking about in Henry County, and I know it's been happening all over the state, 
has been local prison populations and county jails being full. Uh, and last cycle or two cycles ago, uh, another optional income tax came along for, for counties. Uh, and I know that there were some changes made to, to with level six of staying in the counties instead of being at the state level. Uh, I don't know in your the counties that are in your district if they've if they've been struggling with this, but I know almost every one of the counties in East Central Indiana has. Um, do you see Do you see the state having a role in the the county prison populations and finding finding a solution for them? Yes, State Rep. Randy Fry is working on a very good piece of legislation right now to uh, help the counties alleviate some of those populations. I mean, that's an issue. Uh, government's a pendulum. You know, you, there's an issue out there, they'll overreact on it, and then they'll swing back. And it's, that's, you know, the founding fathers were brilliant because they understood history and they, had a, you know, they were moral enough to do the right thing regardless of politics. So they left us with a borderline perfect system of government. And it, the only reason it's not perfect is because, you know, there is a mechanism in there, the amendment mechanism, that we can change it as things move along, but it's very difficult. But... They understood that government, by its very nature, tends to just, you know, overreact on things. And, and that's, I think, there was some of that that happened. You know, it wasn't intentionally. It, you know, a lot of good-meaning people had a lot of great ideas. But when you apply those ideas to reality, you just, you get some unintended consequences. And that was one of them. So, um, you know, that's one of the things we're looking at. So Representative and, Fry, is, he's got a regional jails bill, which is which is uh, potentially giving counties the opportunity to come together, or I guess it's not fully, I, it's not law yet, so we don't know what it's going to look like, but, to, but potentially you would have a regional jail model where they wouldn't all, sure. you know, wouldn't have 91 jails trying to be built. I know one county doesn't I have mean, one, but. There's, you know, there's some state properties that, that we can make better use of than what they're being used now. So the, the, to answer your question, the short answer is, Yes, that is being worked on. All right, very good. Uh, it's it's definitely a big issue here. One of the biggest issues in uh, in our community. Um, sure. An, a couple other hot topic ones that we've talked about in Henry County that have been that have driven uh, a lot of public policy. Um, uh, there's there was a I, I struggle with the name. I don't have it in front of me. There's a, a Indiana a legislator who's talking about uh, removing a four mile uh, town buffer zone ordinance uh, ability. Uh, it, it's, it's been popular in the last year in Henry County uh, where towns have been passing safety ordinances uh, yes. it, it, to prohibit um, wind, windmill construction, industrial windmill construction. And it's been, wind was the biggest issue in, in Henry County, in our area, this last cycle. Uh, and it's something that the towns have put in place to uh, to potentially uh Take property out of the pool for uh, for development for industrial wind. Is that on your radar at all? I know in your area you probably don't have a lot of uh, potential. It's more of an eastern and northern Indiana issue than than it is southern Indiana. Not on my radar. Okay, all right. Uh, well, but I, I mean, it's not important. I mean, you know, it's just it's we don't have the issues that you guys have with that up there. But that's it. That will be an interesting discussion to have. Yeah, it's it, it, it's been a it's been a developing issue around here, and it, you know every, it, it is. You never know what's going to come. Each you end up assigned to certain committees, so you don't deal with every issue. You, you you're serving right. on. I think you're on the the. Uh, you're on, are you Education, on education, public uh, policy, vice chair of government reduction, and then uh, elections and apportionment. Elections and apportionment. 
Ah, and yeah. that was that was the, the that was the committee that I wanted to ask about as the uh, as the libertarian third party guy. I kind of got I kind of took a beating on on straight ticket voting this cycle. What uh, what 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 can we do to drag Indiana into the 21st century on that? We're one of like the last eight states that hasn't gotten rid of straight ticket voting. Why do you hate freedom? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like freedom. I like people being able to select whatever they want to, but. You know, when it, we got new voting equipment this year, we spent it as a county. The clerk spent eight hundred thousand dollars on new equipment. We got it that you went into the booth, you 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 go through the ballot, and it says pick a straight ticket party. And then if you try to skip it, it gives you an error message that says no, you you didn't fill out every form on this ballot. Uh, pick a party. So we went from uh, we went from twenty five percent of the people that uh, that took a straight ticket ballot to sixty percent, and forty forty percent of those took a straight ticket Republican ballot. So. You know, it's it, it's very discouraging for for people that aren't in the whatever the the main party side. You know, whatever party was number one, they you know you're, you're gonna have trouble coming up with candidates. You're gonna have with one party rule. That's my concern. Yeah, I I hate to tell people, hey, you can't vote straight ticket. You know that that bothers me. If, if people want to vote straight ticket, let them vote straight ticket. That's but that's one of mine. I, I have yet to hear an argument good enough to convince me otherwise. That okay. makes sense. That's a good conversation to have. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I, it's it's definitely you know as we look at it, a lot of states. It, it seems to be uh, where Indiana has become one of the few that has kept it in place. Um, sure. And it's you know it's so many. I look at a lot of issues through protectionism, and I feel like it is. It, it's something in, in, intentional or not. It's you know in Indiana, it's always been that way. So we assume that that's what what's appropriate. But when you look around at the rest of the country, you say, well, there's not that many people doing it, and so many of the laws that we have, you think, well, that's part of the way it's always been. I do feel like it's it's protectionism, whether it was you know on the Sunday sales issue or on this one. It's it's you're trying to hang on to hang on to power or hang on to authority, and not it's not necessarily the legislators are doing that, but uh, donors or or influential uh organizations we'll put it that way sure sure so but yeah that was that was that was a stinger for us uh you know it and really that like the voting machines here obviously that's a county issue and it's something that that we're trying to raise awareness about through this and and because it's that's an issue i mean i i've I've said it before and i'll say it again not to crap on our own parade here but even the libertarian straight ticket votes went up because of the new software, so <laughs> whenever yeah. whenever that happens, you know that you know that there's an issue with it, and I mean that it was really confusing. I'm a county chairman, for God's sake, and it even threw me off. So <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely different. And I, it, you look at the data and you watch you watch the percentage. It was it, it bounced along, bounced along, bounced along, and then there's this huge this huge spike up, and it was it was software induced. It's uh it's a surprise. Uh, but there's 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 lots of opportunities for uh, for for continuing to to make improvements in our election system. Oh yeah, and you know the, those are great discussions to have, and that's one of the things I love about the process. If 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 the process is allowed to work, you know, right. uh, you get those discussions out there, and you get both sides come to the table and make their case. And I've I've seen plenty of people change their mind. I've changed my mind, you know, after listening to people. I'm like, you know what? That's something I haven't heard or hadn't thought about. It makes sense. And then you kind of change course. I just hope, I just hope that we can get to the point where uh, we have it's not money driven and it's not this you know two or three different 
lobbying organizations agreed to something. That's kind of the way Sunday sales felt, where the the lobbying groups made their announcement and then everything fell into place after that because the the, the parties were happy. I, I really hope that it is individual constituents that can can have their their say and have relationships with their legislators and other legislators around the state and 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 really affect change at a personal level rather than at a uh, through dollars and cents or donations. Sure. And, and you know what? And I, and I will honestly say Indiana is very good about that. I mean, the people up there, both sides of the aisle, and there's a lot of different personalities, but everybody up there, their heart, I, I believe, is in the right place. They want to do the right thing. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that money doesn't influence, you know, uh, certain groups. get up. They have a little bit more power than others. But all in all, um, I, I can honestly say that I don't believe anybody up there is bought and paid for. Now, we you know, would, the way some people say. We would be derelict in our duties if we didn't ask about the roads. Uh, and <laughs> and I know we've had uh, – everybody always wants to talk about roads with county government and state government. Uh, sure. We've got more money in the in the uh, in the coffers now after the uh, the increase that came in a couple of years ago. Uh, so road funding, everybody thinks is kind of fixed. It just needs time to flow through the process. Uh, the governor, uh, there was about a uh, there was a study that uh, release came out a couple of weeks ago, and the governor said uh, we're not going to toll uh, potential new roads. Uh, but I, I will ask about the future of I sixty five and I seventy, uh, and if those are going to get to three lanes, do you think that's coming or do you think that's a 20, 20 years out solution? I pray to God it's coming because I, you know, I drive sixty five every day to Indy when we're in session, and and you get out there and look at the traffic. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that we really do need to add that third lane. I would even go fourth lane in some of them. Yeah, um, that's just the way things are now. But that costs money, and I I was one of those that voted for the gas tax increase, and I would I would do it again. Because every penny of that gas tax increase is to be directed back into roads, so that to me that's more of a user fee. And I know libertarians, and you know, I've I've had this discussion a thousand times on Facebook. Um, that's one of those things I'd, I'd like to see us come to a, a, a peaceable truce, if nothing else. But short of uh, you've been talking to Facebook libertarians, Jim. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're yeah. pragmatics over here. No, and. And the thing about it is, yeah, it is a user fee, so it makes it more acceptable, I, I think, in my eyes. But the the biggest deal was, let's take the the taxes and the other funding that we supposedly had imp- implemented for roads and make sure that all of that's actually going towards the roads before we raise the taxes again. Was the which issue we that did. we had with uh, it. Like, there, there's the gas tax, which is just the straight gas tax, okay? Right. That goes in roads. Then there was the sales tax on gas. That's 7%. That's what was going into the general fund. Right. We are converting that eventually within, I think, the next couple of years. 100% of that will be going into roads. Um, you know, that was going into the black hole of the general fund. But what a lot of people, and I, I typed to my fingers bled trying to explain this to people, you can't just yank that much money out of the general fund at once without causing massive disruption. And it's, to me, that's the responsible thing. To, does it suck? Is it the way it should be? No. And yes, it does suck. It would be great if we couldn't. But is it the responsible thing to do to all of a sudden cut school funding by a billion dollars? Or, you know, uh, the people that, that have become dependent upon government that need help? No. Uh, you know, right. you, you can't just rip the them carpet out from underneath them. You know, like... Yeah, and that's that's to me, that's not good government. So um, do, be responsible about it. 
You know, if you're driving down the road going 140 miles an hour and all of a sudden you figure out you're going in the wrong direction, the first thing you do is let off the gas, then you gently apply the brakes. You don't just crank the wheel and try and do a 180. Yeah, no, you know, I totally you, agree, Jim. Today. I totally you, agree with that. You turn that car around, you know, you got to slow down, brake it, okay, turn it around safely, and start heading back in the other direction. So do does the uh, does the General Assembly have any authority or input over the the renegotiation that, uh, that took place with the Indiana Toll Road? I know there's a, a billion dollars coming into NDOT's budget over the next three years for uh, – and I know a portion of that's going to speed up I-69 construction, but there, I think there's a portion of that that's going to go to rural broadband and a portion of that that's going to go to trails instead of roads. Is there – do you guys have some involvement in that, or is there already law that allows the governor's office to just kind of make decisions on that issue? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I no, that, I mean, that's over my pay grade. We voted on the total, and I'm not trying to get out of answering. I mean, I'll answer anything, but I want to be honest about it. You know, that's that's one of those. The governor has more input on that than pretty much anything. Yeah, that was something I learned. Kudos to Hammer and Nigel uh, on 93.1. I learned that listening to their show that the that's – that's the govern. That's the governor's job. I was like, huh? Well, who knew? Yeah, I'm always shocked at how powerful the governor is because you guys can, you know, you can override a veto with the same vote that put it through. You don't need a two thirds majority or anything. Fifty one votes, and you say, ah, no, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. It's always yeah. it's always a quirk of the Indiana Constitution. Though. I thought, man, he's not very not as powerful as everybody thinks he is. Obviously, there is a lot of power in the governor's office. Government that he, I mean, he has the power that he's allowed to have by the general assembly. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think that we've uh, we've made it through everything on our list. Uh, are you going to be proposing uh, medical uh, marijuana this year? Yes. Uh, okay. I don't know if yeah. you already said Dakota, it. I might have yeah, been Dakota, with Dakota it. was working on the uh, – <laughs> Dakota was playing audio engineer. It was a comedy of errors and everything went wrong. One last thing for Jim I want to talk about real quick. You, you said you're on the education committee, and I know – uh, I watched your Facebook today, and I, I know Abdul Hakim Shabazz was pulling together some numbers. Ah, I love Abdul, and uh, he's a good friend of ours on the show. I've been on Abdul's show, and he's uh, he, he's he's a very good friend of ours. Um, he let let's talk about uh, <laughs> school funding, and I, my my wife is a former teacher, I, and I, I she's a lot like an, a whole lot of folks that went to a four year school, got their teaching degree, taught for two or three years, and said this doesn't pay anything, and it's too much headache, and I'm teaching to a test. And I'm going to do something else that's going to pay more money. What? <laughs> and it, 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 this isn't all, all the state representatives or the state legislators' job to fix, but what, uh, what can be done for people like my wife to stay in the classroom and not take on tens of thousands of dollars in student loans and go, this isn't the job for me and I'm getting out because it's not worth it? I have legislation that I'm going to, that um, hopefully it gets a hearing. It's an educational option account, and what it does, it puts the parents in charge of education. I, I came in in 2012, and I asked to be on the education committee. Um, the year I started, the, the, a child that started first grade that year will be going into junior high, and we've not made hardly any significant changes. And, and this is what I, on Facebook all the time, you have to start, you have to start with the foundation, seeing where we're at with, with K through 12. K through 12 gets over half of our state budget every year. That's about $8 billion. Okay, they get about 43% of our property tax, which is a little over $3 billion. We get over a billion from the feds, and then we get outside assistance to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Okay, so we're spending 
all this money on K through 12 for a little over a million kids. Okay, so government controls everything about education. We control the funding. We control, uh, you know, we have compulsory attendance. You have to go. We set the standards. We make the rules. We do everything. Okay, so what is the taxpayer getting for that investment? You know, uh, just on the state money alone, it gets over half. That's four times larger than the number two agency. Okay, so what we're getting is our 10th graders, kids that have been in our own system for 10 years, only a third of them can pass our math standards. So what the hell? Okay, (laughs) now we have a system that gets that much money, and the most important people in the system are underpaid. So again, what the hell? You know, so when you look at it, and I actually broke it down. I'm a very simple person. I'm not the sharpest tool in shit, so I like things simple. State of Indiana spends about ten grand a student. Okay, a class of twenty-five kids—that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, the average teacher in Indiana makes fifty-five thousand dollars. So let's just take that fifty-five from the two fifty—that's one hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. What the hell are we doing with one hundred ninety-five thousand dollars that's left over after we pay the teacher exactly. to get the result? We're getting. Yeah. Well, the uh, the two school teacher makes forty thousand, and the administrator makes eighty five. Mm, <laughs> well, Indiana is the second worst state in the nation with percentage of our teachers. Uh, well, percentage of our workforce only being teachers. So, thirty eight percent of our educational workforce are teachers. That means we have sixty two percent that are non teachers. Okay. In two thousand five, then Governor Mitch Daniels was. Um, you know, he was fired up because only 60 cents of every dollar made it to the classroom. But he wanted to do something about it. Here we are 14 years later, 57 cents make it to the classroom. So you take a budget, just a state budget of $8 billion, we've gone backwards three points. Had we gone forward three points, that's $480 million that we could be pumping into the classroom, i.e. teacher raises. Wow, that's that's crazy. I didn't know And that. here's the thing, you know, and that's not putting one extra penny into the system. People say, oh, we need to put more money in the system. Okay, go tell a taxpayer. Go tell, you know, you can't just keep, you can't bring the money cannon out and keep shooting money at this problem, which is what we're doing. And the money's there. It's an alignment issue. You know, the more money we throw at it, um, the more administration grows. And there was a study done between 92 and I believe 2013 I think the student population increased by about 9%. Um, Teachers actually went up, I think, about 26%. But non-teaching administrative staff went up 46%. So, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to say, geez, you think we might be top-heavy here? But, you know, I want to remind everybody that public education is government-run. Anything government-run is going to be inefficient, ineffective, and bureaucratic. And that the truth? government-run education is far and away four times larger than number two program. It's our biggest government-run program out there. So these these are these are issues that will never go away, never, ever, because it's government-run. The only way to do it, and and I'm tired. You know, we've been talking, we've been hearing government school reform for forty years. For Pete's sake, 1979, the federal government implemented the Department of Education. Forty years later, we're still talking about reforming public education. My attack, my approach is quit trying to change it. 
you're not going to change it. What you do is you give parents the choice and you give teachers free. You force it to compete. Right. You, yeah, you simply sense. put the parents in charge. Instead of that state money going into a school corporation, that state money goes into a parent's account that they're in charge of, and they educate their kid in the manner that is best suits them. Now, these, and I've heard all arguments. People freak out. They're like, oh, my God, what if all the kids, all the parents pull their kids out of that school? Okay, right there, number one, sh- hell, that should tell you something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that school oh, doesn't deserve it. Exit, what the hell does that tell you about that school? Right. But the reality of it is, where are they going to go? You know, the infrastructure simply is not there for hundreds of kids all of a sudden to bail. You know, so, but what you've done is, you've forced, you've introduced competition, okay, but you've also given those public school teachers the freedom and flexibility. Now they can start doing their thing, okay? Right. Now, within, it, it'll take probably three to five years because your private schools out there, they can only absorb so many kids at once, okay? Generally, they're very well run. So all of a sudden, you, you get a school that has 180 kids in it, you know, they've got a max capacity of two and a quarter, Bam, they max out the first year. Okay, they're going to have growing pains. It's going to take them a couple years to acclimate to that. Okay, they're not going to all of a sudden just double the size of their school in one year. Okay, so now those kids, and let's face it, the majority of the parents out there, they're going to leave their kids in that public school. But now we have competition, we have freedom to where our public educators, our teachers can do something. Because, you know, here's here's something that, Either we're the most blessed state in the nation or it's a joke. Our, our teacher evaluations. Okay, yeah. last year, 98% of Indiana teachers were either rated as effective or highly effective. Okay, so one of two things are happening right there. Either 98% of our teachers are effective or highly effective, which tells me why the hell are we wasting money on a system that grades, you know, where 98% are kicking ass? Or. That system is being so manipulated <laughs> that it's choking a waste of money. Yeah. Let the teachers teach. But, you know, admin, admin is, it's, that's the weed that's choking everything out right now. I agree. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I got fired up. On no, that. no, no, that's <laughs> good. You're on the education committee for a reason. We're, we're, glad, you're, we're glad you're there and able to, uh, able to help us out. Uh, yes. Well, we, Jim, we thank you very much for your time and, uh, and joining us tonight. Um, any any final thoughts as to as to you know bills you're going to carry issues you're interested in uh, people that want to uh, follow you how to get in touch and how to how to watch what you're doing and and maybe uh, catch you at the state house. Uh, best way to follow session session starts January third. Um, go to the state website. It's iga.in.gov, and uh, you can get on there and, and they in real time you can watch committee hearings, you can watch chamber hearings, you can see what's going on. Um, it's very, uh, you know, very good website. Get in touch with your uh, elected officials. Tell you if you don't know who they are, you know, type in your address. It'll tell you. Um, I keep a, a public Facebook page. Um, fair warning. It's you know, it's um, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own. I I make no I, I excessive vulgarity, and when people start getting rude, you know the. They'll get a warning, but then they'll, I, I block people before. I, I don't want things getting out of hand. But yeah, I, I Facebook like Facebook libertarians, good, right? Uh, you know, I enjoy a good, robust <laughs> discussion. But with just like our rights, with rights come responsibilities. So you know, act like a responsible adult when you get on there. 
Well, very good. Well, Jim, we can't thank you enough. Uh, this is uh, this has been great. We hope to have you in studio at some point. I know uh, I spend a lot Dude, of time no. down. I spend a lot of time down in your district and in, uh, in North Vernon and in uh, in uh, in Seymour. Uh, I'm a traveling salesman, so I'm, I work in the highway construction industry. So I'm down. I'm down in your part of the world all the time, and uh, I, I always enjoy getting down to getting down there. And uh, we, uh, as we said before, uh, you got a lot of fans up here on this show, and we we watch what you're doing real close, and we appreciate you being on. Well, I'd love to come up. I'm buying the first round when I come up. <laughs> there we go. We might have a tap installed by the time you get here. Maybe. We're, we're getting serious. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring a pillow and a change of clothes then. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Jim, thank you very much, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best in the session. Thanks, guys. Keep in touch. All right. Yep. Take care. All right. We will let Jim's call disappear. And uh, we will debrief all of the things that went terribly wrong as uh, as we had Jim on the phone. I'm pretty sure my mic was off for most of that. <laughs> so what happened? Uh, we'll fill people in. What, did uh, you see Jeremiah just take mine? Yeah, I stole yeah, he's he, like, he stole yours. Like, I was F like, you, Chris. Well, if he's not going to have a mic, I'm just going <laughs> to push mine on the side. So your mic didn't die. I think what happened is it, we were getting comments in the chat saying nobody could hear Jim, nobody could hear Jim. And I Dakota will weigh in as to what actually fixed it. I assume that the, there are... are uh, our iRig or the equivalent of our iRig died? No, no. It's a... Okay, so that's not what happened because the people could still hear us, right? Right. So I could see our levels on the Mevo screen. So I knew that it wasn't the Saramonic, which is our... Uh, that Which is the converter that takes the audio from the board to the iPad uh, for the video. So I knew that that wasn't the problem. Uh, and that the audio just wasn't getting to... It, it just wasn't coming through from the from the laptop so I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on um uh it was a combination of a lot of things so we tested this we, we went through this like at 5 30 this afternoon you called me and we felt good well, we were we like we are prepared we tested for the audio. it on the i tested on the podcast side oh uh, we didn't test i the couldn't video. get the mevo to work until uh. like 15 <laughs> minutes before we started Did we right? update Magi- the mevo the magical update right so uh it was a combination of a lot of things. The monitor output was way low. Uh, the USB through button wasn't turned on. Uh, USB level was too low. And then the compu- the laptop uh, volume was too low as well. And then once we finally got the audio fixed, Jim, we think Jim had the audio turned up on his side, and then I figured out that we had like 5% volume on the laptop, so we were also feeding problems back through. Right. So, so we're getting there. Yeah, we're- I- by the time we get to episode 200, we're going to have this science out. We don't do a lot of phone calls around here. I think that's only about the third or fourth time we've done uh, a phone call on the show. Dakota, you drank your beer really fast. I know. I asked if he wanted another one. I was. I sat down, and I was like... I was bartending for everybody. And I was like, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you were going over there, I was, I was sneaking a sip. I know. I sat down, and I had like a full one. <laughs> Whenever I first started, I came back, and there was like four drinks left. You know so. you can't leave a drink around me. Yeah, yeah. Chase has a problem. I I could be Bill Cosby so easy. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. So um, yeah. So that was that was. It was profile. a good episode. Was, like if if you're listening on the audio only side, then you're not going to have a, an issue hearing Jim. Uh, you might hear us get quiet at points because <laughs> I think you turned down the the re- side recorder volume. I tried a number point. of things because we were peaking on there, and then at some point we turned everybody down to try to. Jim came up. And we went down. So then that's when Chase thought his mic was off. And I thought my mic was off. And I, was like, actually no, I threw mine to the side. I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> the one time Chase tried to talk and he was turned off. I was like, okay, well. Uh, and then you you 
you know, leaned over to me and you, you said, Jim is loud now and no one and everyone See, else is quiet. <laughs> I, I could hear the feedback and I was like, my earphones are so loud. <laughs> yeah. So my when I can hear it, when that turned up, it started, it, our, it pegged our ears. And at some point, about five minutes in, the, uh, we've, we've got a new table. Uh, Libby Potter sent us a table a few, about a month ago. And Dakota took our headphone amp and she put it under, he put it underneath there. Yeah, and it was it was now. it was held on. No, it's not right now. It no. was held on there by um, Velcro. By Velcro, but it was it was stuck on just with these little adhesive uh, dots on the bottom. It was all, it was just on the dots that keep yeah. it off the ground from getting hot. You ripped it off, didn't you? So it fell all uh-huh. by itself. I didn't have anything. I to thought do with everything just crashed at that point, <laughs> and it fell down to the ground. And poor Chase's headphones got unplugged. So Chase is sitting <laughs> Literally, there like, I don't hear anything, and I'm like, you killed it! <laughs> and I look at Chase, and his headphones are around his ears. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with Chase? And I looked, and he was unplugged. So I've got him plugged in, and now the now the uh, headphones are... <laughs> every every cable is perilously tied tight, and they're sitting on a can of mixed nuts underneath the table. Sure. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, uh, we are getting so close. Things to get better. Every week in the studio, things get better. You've got new sound tiles up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have, if you're watching the live stream, we have new mic stands. We have beautiful uh, mic stands. We don't have to be hunched over, leaned on the table. These are 360-degree, uh, multiple-position mic, mic stands. Yeah, I can... Just like a real back, radio studio. Lean back as far as I, I want. You can, go, you can go anywhere you want to go. This is nice. <laughs> Just, I'm not gonna lie, the studio looks pretty badass. I just need an ottoman now, and I'm good. <laughs> need somewhere to put know, your, if, put you, your shoes. if you're watching right now, then you probably <laughs> notice that the echo really isn't that bad, and it's because uh, um, Jerry Williams bought us a bunch of corner tiles, and and we got motivated enough. Dakota got motivated enough over the weekend that uh, you put up uh, you put up all these tiles. Yeah. We did it this week. You did it Tuesday night. Yeah, he wanted to look <laughs> fancy for Jim. Tuesday night. Yeah, Jim. So, and Jim was going to come today. We originally had it. We Dakota's been in negotiations trying to get Jim on the show. <laughs> negotiations, <laughs> negotiations, hoping and praying. And uh, Jim said yes to appear. And then he had some some stuff with the day job came up. And then he was at the state house today. So he. And then I think he looked at the map and said, "Oh my God, Newcastle is not next to North Vernon or no. or, or or anywhere in his district." So he we did it as a phone interview, and it was great to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uh, yeah, it turned out fine. Uh, and then today I got the text. Uh, Tom Saunders, our state representative, Chase. Do you know Tom? Oh, I think I've met him. Yeah. He's uh, he's going to be on the show. He's been on before, about a year ago. Uh, so he will be on next Thursday night. And uh, Chris Spangle, the leader of We're Libertarians, is going to appear as well. Rough. And uh, so it'll be Dakota, uh, Chris Spangle, myself, and state representative Tom Saunders. Ooh. And we're going to do another legislative preview. So Jim has the issues he's concerned about. And uh, obviously Tom knows the local issues here. Uh, he served since, uh, I think Tom was elected in 96 or 98. I don't remember off the top of my head. Chase will look it up. and he'll So, Jer. Yeah. Ask me why I'm wearing my sweater again. Uh, so you are wearing your ugly sweater, your ugly oh, Christmas God. sweater. Yes. The my, Bears. My oh, ugly what? Chicago Bears that, Christmas that sweater. That we established on the show. You stole from somebody. I did. I stole from my little cousin. He left it at the house. But I, I mean, you can't be that back. little. You're the same size. No, no, sweater. no. Don't say stole. You borrowed it without the consent yes. of returning. You're storing it without charging him yes. For, yes. for the storage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, I am wearing it because Christmas is coming early this year. The Chicago Bears play the Green Bay Packers. And if we win, we clinch the NFC, NFC North. The NFC North <coughs> with, uh, with Mitch Trubisky. Yes. Mm. 
your guy. Are and you are the you best can, defense in the NFL? And Mac, yeah. your boy Mac. I, the Colts got a pretty good defense right now, honestly. We would wreck your. I'm pretty happy. Maybe no. in the Super Bowl. If if our defense met your defense in an alley, Dakota, that's, we'd uh, rape you. Oh, I thought you, I thought Dakota was getting ready to drink an O'Doul's. I was going to bring it to him, <laughs> but it's it's a brown and white label like O'Doul's Amber is, but it's a it's a Worcestershire Dunkel. Worcestershire Dunkel. It is, I don't know uh, if I like that one. Dakota. It's the best Dunkel that I've had around here, anyway. So, uh, fantasy football chase. Uh, you and I have been in a league. Yeah, all year. you fucked me. Okay, Whoa. now another explicit you, edition. Dang okay. it. No, no, no. Jim already, <laughs> Jim already hit that. We, Come yeah. on, man. I'm just saying. Okay, we had the same record. Yeah. Okay. And it's only a four-person playoff. Right. What There's, the heck is get, that? You get four people. You I are, should be in, in the, there, Jared. I would whoop that ass. You Listen are in to the him. Dropping the F-bomb and then saying, what the heck? <laughs> no. <laughs> Chase, is, uh, Chase is in the consolation bracket, the loser bracket in, my, in the moral and so the fantasy football league. Okay. There's 14 people in this league, right? Yes. Yes. Explain. Only four people in the playoff. Up. I had to turn the game Only down. Only <laughs> four people in the playoff. Huh? I have the same record as Jeremiah, and he's number four. I'm number five. I snuck in. <laughs> it's bullcrap. I got the most points of anybody. <laughs> Did he have more points for? Or yeah, I had the most. I, I scored the most points in the league. It shouldn't. I just matter. had some bad losses. It should be at least a six-person league. <laughs> How are you going to do six? Or, you know, a six-person playoff. How are you going to do that, though? You're starting to sound like uh, a sore loser. Most, most of the league, like, play in? You're starting to sound like a Georgia fan? Would it be a Georgia fan this year? Yeah, Georgia. Oh, okay. It really should be an eight-person no. playoff for that. <laughs> no, <though>. Ohio State. <laughs> or an six, Ohio State right? fan. Yeah, you're starting to sound like an Ohio State fan. Is, is this fantasy league for money? No, no but it's still, just, it's just, I'm just saying, I had a great team. <laughs> I went nine and five, and I got screwed. Yeah, but you didn't score enough points. Yeah, you should have. My father-in-law, Kevin, I won two enough. more games than me, and he scored 200 points less. He's I number one enough. seed. It shouldn't matter how many how many points he scored. All that should matter is that W. <laughs> but but you're, but you're the same, so where, where's yeah, the tiebreaker? Yeah, what's the tiebreaker? We should play this week. Ooh. Thumb mm. wrestle me, Jer. I'll thumb wrestle you. Oh. Rock, paper, scissors. On shoot. No, rock, paper, scissors, let's box. Okay. <laughs> no, I have four leagues. I made the playoffs in two of them. I got screwed in one league, and then I just sucked in another league. So you got screwed in my league. Yeah, I got screwed in your league. There's always next year, Chase. I'm just saying next year we should move it to six teams, like most leagues. All right, so we were as Dakota walked away to get his dunkle, we were we were talking. We previewed next week. Tom Saunders is going to be our guest. Chris Spangle is going to be on. And then we are going to do a bonus Christmas edition episode. That's right, and I have a Christmas present for you. I have a Christmas present for you. It won't be awkward. Good. We've we both got gifts for each other. Yeah, so excited. You <laughs> followed the thousand dollar limit, right? Uh, yeah. Nothing over a thousand. Pretty closely, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Nine ninety nine. Yeah. All right. Ninety five. And we'll invite all of those. <laughs> so Tom, Tom will come in. We'll do the show seven o'clock as normal, and then after that's over, it'll be the Boss Hog Liberty Christmas Party. Uh, Patreon. Uh, Patreon, Patreon people only. are Patreon people are the only ones that are gonna get the Christmas episode. Yeah. That's it. So if you want to see that, if you want to be in. You got to join the Patreon. Last year's was a lot of fun too. It was, it was um, a good one. You we had a, we had we had a state representative on the show. So if you if you uh, if you came for Jim and the and the the political talk and that's it, uh, sign out now. But I'm gonna roll over here and uh, Dakota, you can explain your. Christmas I, I have it zoomed in on it right now, so <laughs> it's uh, hopefully they can see the little Easter egg it, that's been that hanging is, on the door. That is, uh, <laughs> I'll explain it. Um, that is skywriting from the United States military. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> there's a there's a Christmas ornament on the back wall, 
that Dakota hung. Okay, it's so a, it's, it's well phallic, hung. It's a very phallic shape. <laughs> it's very well hung. Um, and it is uh, from whenever the the Air Force drew the male genitalia in the sky. Uh, nice. It's a wooden engraving of that moment. There's the plane and everything. <laughs> Pretty good. I laughed. So, I laughed so hard whenever I got it. It was I, good. I, I was, bought that. I was almost in tears. I was bought that, that for Dakota last year. Yeah, that was yeah. last year's Christmas okay. present. I bought that for Dakota, and uh, he got me a gift card for Steak and Shake. Yeah, I, I went serious with Jer. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll give you a gift, man. <laughs> mm. How was uh, Steak and Shake though? You had to wait like forty five minutes though. I went. Yeah, I and, love and, Steak and, and Shake. It was wrong. Though. Forty five minutes and a piece of hair. Come I on. got the steak and shake. <laughs> it still tastes delicious. And, and then I either I either Extra used the gift card completely or it never worked and it was never activated. Oh. I think Dakota may have stolen gifts a gift card from Walgreens <laughs> and then given it to me. So, yeah. Yeah, and never had it activated. I'm thinking that's what happened, but I can't prove it. And then I, I did get a haircut from MVP back in the day when uh, when when Council McClay was a friend yep. of the show. Uh no he longer. wasn't too, he wasn't too busy with it, all of his jobs. Uh, being a county councilman and being a being a a, a, a public now. a public school what counselor and being a barber, he used to have time for us yeah. and would send us gifts. Now I hardly even get in. I, this haircut isn't even a clay. Oh, it's I, from his shop, but it's not a clay. I haven't been clay hasn't been cutting my hair since even whenever he was full time there. All right, so oh, your your haircut traitor. is kind of the elephant. In the room. Traitor, <laughs> your your haircut is the elephant in the room. Why we've already discussed it. It's a beautiful. I like it. Beautiful cut. Thanks, Chase. It is very. Kinda, you kind of look like Elvis. It's getting very tall. Yeah, it's getting there. Are you going to go you like all the way back with it? Yeah, eventually. Well, okay. So what's got to happen is the sides got to grow out where the parts always been. Dakota's okay. got to pump it going. grow out. I mean, it, it is like an inch and a half tall now. I wonder if I could do that. I don't know if it's that. Tall. You're using product. Oh, it's definitely at least. I'd say at least three inches. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's what you tell your girlfriend, isn't it? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Katie. I wonder if she's always backing into cars. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, I noticed the the candy canes, mm-hmm. and I was very tempted. And I was like, I'm going to see if I can eat every one of those candy canes <laughs> by the end of the show. Did your arms get too short? I ate like three of them. And I was like, all right, that's enough. Too much sugar. It was too much sugar. I tried to do something similar by drinking all of the beer that was here, but, uh, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I drank Dakota's beer. I drank my beer. I haven't tried this new one though. I don't know if I'll like it. The Dakota. Dunkle. All right. So you just said that you liked it. Let him try it. He's drunk. Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> just let him try it. I'm not drunk. So it's important to note. Uh, it, it, we're giving score. I'm going to give scorecards tonight. Uh, Chase, you get a you get an incomplete because you never talked at all when Jim was here. I did not talk one time. Okay, but <clears throat> in my defense, I thought my mic was off for at least eighty <laughs> percent of it. We're gonna have to. We need to cut this back par- portion of the show <laughs> off for the people who came to listen. No, to I, we, we, warned them, <laughs> we warned them that when Jim's gone, they'll drop off, and now it's just our people. Now it's just the Boss Hog fans. That's why this conversation is here, and we didn't make Jim sit through it on the and, front end. Yeah. You know, there were a couple questions I want. For one thing, when he, I liked what he was saying about the pot. I liked it a lot. He seems like were that kind of guy. Were you surprised to hear that he went to Colorado and tried tried everything he I could? I would party with that guy. <laughs> I, was, I really was surprised to just to hear him like be like, yeah, yeah I tried. How and open was he like, was? Yeah. Yeah, I, which is was like, I was surprised, but it was very refreshing. He's a small business owner, so he reports to himself. So what does he care? I'm Jim Lucas, and I like to party. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, uh, you got anything for us? As far as what? I don't know. You got any final thoughts? No. You're you're challenging Cade. 
Yes, we, we talked about that in the Patreon th- in the, in the thing that's in it's the going Patreon down. Feed. It's going down. I got ten bucks that he lasts a minute. Mm. One minute. How many rounds are you going to go? Dog, I don't know. <laughs> it's a championship fight. Five rounds. Five rounds. Five minutes. Yep. That's a lot, dude. And I have not done. You're any not going to last that long. I just need you to last a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you got to find somebody to take that. Yeah, bet you got to find. You got to bet Danny or somebody. Jer. Wait a minute. I got to bet against my boy, uh, my boy uh, Guffy for ten bucks. Yeah, dude. So if he takes a dive, I could make. I could. So I could give him half, and that'd be twenty. My pride's for sale here. <laughs> we we can do this. I watched Sergeant Bilko. I love that movie. Yes, with, with Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. What? Oh, I've got Chase. The casinos. Have you seen it? Chase, you oh, know what God we're gonna knows. do? Sounds <laughs> like, an old, like an old movie. Chase I was Steve gonna Martin. act like I had seen it, and then I realized Dakota probably hadn't seen that movie when he said Steve Martin. You guys need some movie vacations over here. Steve, Steve Martin and uh, and and the late Phil Hartman are in this movie, and it's uh, and Dan Aykroyd. They're okay. in the army. It was a major bust. Nobody like saw it in the theaters. And uh, <laughs> he's he's a sergeant in the army. He runs the motor pool, and he runs gambling on everything. Yes, he does. <laughs> there are bets. He's got a casino in the motor pool. It's amazing. Uh, and Phil Hartman is the foil. So, uh, yeah, you and I are going to go to Chicago. We're going to ride together, okay. and I'm going to the, the in-flight movie will be Sergeant Bilko. We'll make All the right. women drive, and you and I are going to watch it in the back seat. Sounds good to me. All right. It's a date. It's a mandate. J- Dakota's going to have to watch in the Buick behind us. Yeah, it's got Android Auto, so I can do anything I want to. There you go. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> So I'm going to be like Sergeant Bilko and take money on it and, and fix the fix the game. Uh, all right. So Chris, you're uh, you're going to do that. You're yep. taking one for the team. Do you want a key for this place, or are you just going to say the hell with it? No, don't give me no key. I don't uh, want that. Not doing it. No, man. I can get the Wi-Fi in the parking lot, so I don't <laughs> I don't need to even come inside. All right. If that's all, if that's what you want out of life, that's all I want out of you guys. All right. Your Wi-Fi. So I already uh, got it. Look at final thoughts <laughs> from Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, final thoughts for me. I want to thank Jim Lucas for coming on. Uh, I've wanted I've wanted Jim to come on for a really really long time. Uh, looking forward to the next time that we have him on. Uh, may, hopefully after the legislative session to talk about what <coughs> what all happened, uh, what is uh, what he's feeling to come through the committees and everything. So uh, looking forward to to that episode. Um, also looking forward to having Tom Saunders come on uh, next week. Uh, That'll be a great episode. Looking forward to picking his brain to see what he's going to be introducing for us, his constituents, and uh, uh, just incredibly thankful that uh, this podcast has gone on long enough that we've been able to talk to both of these people. That is, um, there are there are 150 people that are legislators in the state of Indiana. We've now had four of them on this program. That's right. We're getting uh, there. Yeah, and we need to get. We need like a big list. Like Steve Stephen Colbert had the. Uh, he, when he had his show, he filled in the map of every every uh, congressional district. And when he had the person, he did the sit down with them. He filled them in. We need to do that. I think we need a map. That would be great. That would be pretty cool. We need a map yeah. of all the state rep districts and, and state senate districts. That and would, we just start that, filling them in. So that would look good. Really good right on the sound tile wall right yeah. there. Yeah. Maybe that's what we're going to do. All right. Hey, I, I like that idea a lot. Have you ever heard of Updog? What's up, dog? <laughs> I've been doing that to everyone at work. How are you? Are you, do, I thought is, of it. That's is, a dad joke. Is Kate, is Katie pregnant? Uh, Chase is fourteen uh, again. No, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally I thought about it the other day, and I was like, man, I remember in elementary school, and it used to be really cool. So I've been trying it at work, and everybody hates me. 
<laughs> because they already know the joke, or everyone knows it. Yeah, everybody knows it's ridiculous. Joke. We were all fourteen once. Here you go. Here you go. Um, right. I do want to. One other final thought. I want to say thank you to Jerry Williams again for getting us the sound tile, the corner tiles. I've been looking forward to those for a while. Um, and there is only one. Well, the technically four items. Yeah, the but, mic uh, flags. Yeah, the that's the only thing left in our Amazon wish list. So, All of our fans have come together. They've come through for us and ordered everything that was on there. We want false. I still haven't got my sweatshirt. <laughs> what sweatshirt are you talking about? Uh, the sweatshirt I wanted, uh, Dakota. I don't. I don't know what it is. Did you I put it on you, the Amazon? I told wish you list? to put it in the wish list. No, you need to put it on there. You have the you have the Amazon login. Come on now, man. All right, it'll be on there next week. All right, but we have we have mic flags left. Uh, they're they're the little things that go on the microphone right here. So and, what uh, will happen is we are going to look so professional. We've got the mobile set up. Yeah. So we can literally go out with our microphones and the mic flags on, and they'll say "Balls Hog Liberty," and we could do a stand up out on the street and look like we are the the Balls Hog Liberty news crew. Once okay. we get the mic flags, it'd be awesome. So oh, uh, that's pool. the only thing that's left. Uh, thank you to everyone that's bought everything off of the Amazon wish list. It's been a, a great big help to us as we've gotten settled into the the new location. Uh, so uh, also thank you to everyone who's on uh, the Patreon. Um, and a special thank you to all those that are at the $50 mark right now. So we love the heck out of you folks. All right. Uh, looking forward, Tom Saunders is next week. On the 27th, we have Justin and the boys from Juice in the Morning. Dakota and I Ooh. spent Sunday night on the Juice in the Morning podcast in Indianapolis. That's right. They are the second rated podcast. Uh, the second, they're, they're not as good as us. They're second. Well, I don't think about... they had this much trouble, did they? They didn't have this much trouble. Are we talking about orange juice or apple juice? What, what trouble are you talking about? You're Justin talking about juice. the audio trouble? Yeah, Justin I don't juice. think they have that kind of trouble. Um, so whenever we got there... Let's not, let's not make it sound like they're terrible. No, they they yeah had, they suck really bad. They had a four mic setup, yeah. right? Okay, just like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we didn't know how to add a fifth, and we thought that our USB mic would work. It didn't. We ended. They have a Jeremiah very small board. It took to, them like three hours to figure out. They have a very listen, small board. So, listen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have so, a great big board. So our board this is, is the biggest bigger. board ever. Dakota and everyone I keeps telling me had my my dream and Dakota's nightmare. Yes, I, we, <laughs> I saw a brief, brief minute of that. We, we shared a microphone. Yeah, you could see the back of my new haircut. You saw my bald hair, my bald head. <laughs> Does that mean you I, got, I, I, I was a very unflattering position for my for the top of my head? Does that mean you guys are married now? Uh, not yet, not yet. We have very intimately shared a microphone on the Dose <laughs> Morning podcast. Right, our, uh, br- Kelly, our breaths, our breaths cross streams. Justin Kelly was running the soundboard there, and he did a great job of keeping the audio levels at a level to where you could hear both of us pretty well, but also you could hear a big echo in the room. So, yep, he did he did a good job. So we're gonna have him on, and we're check out their podcast. They're a lot of fun. I joined. They don't have Patreon, but they do. I did join them at a dollar a month to support it. I enjoy their show a lot. Uh, Jesse Riddle, who's you've heard on the show at least three or four times now, uh, uh, he's on there quite a bit, and so is uh, another Knightstown guy, Mark Fultz. So check that check that podcast out. Um, a lot of fun. They're uh, they're very irreverent. Uh, definitely earmuffs. They're we're PG eighteen. They're just straight up rated R. Yeah, I drop the <laughs> f bomb occasionally, <laughs> only when Jer really pisses me off. Right when I deserve it. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then indeed. the uh, the next show we, we're we're finally getting a sequence like we've got shows on the calendar, 
we came out of the election and we were whipped tired. Yeah, we were. And we were going, uh, we got to do a show Thursday. Who's it's like? Who we got on? Who's coming on? Now it's starting like mellow now out. Now it's better. We've got a plan. Back to, back to the normal chaos. So, so the first the first week in January, Liam Perino is scheduled. Liam has no idea who the Boss Hogger Liberty podcast is, but I I found Liam through the Espresso Boys. Another Italian. Ben and Joey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Apparently, I have a. I found all of the Italians. He's originally a New Yorker, just like me. He's from the uh, the Hudson River up uh, north of New, north of the city, south of Albany, uh, and he has. If you look him up on uh, on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. Is he sexy? Uh, well, Chase, you'd be a better judge than I would be. Uh, <laughs> Liam, Liam, Liam is a very funny guy. Uh, and he is he is taking a one man audition to become the next co host of Catfished. So I think that has to be a Chase Payton edition of the show. Chase really likes the show. Catfished. I, that, so he's been catfished before. No, he wants to be the co host. Apparently they're oh. they're losing a co host. Oh, so he so he, he has in his he has been absolutely video. running. He's been killing Instagram hard, making videos, oh, yeah. putting out Twitter. Trying to audition to be the next co-host. I give this guy a nice handshake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Liam is uh, L- Liam won a contest somehow. The the Ben Ben Polizzi he had uh, Liam won a, po- a, a contest that they put out is a couple months ago. Is he as sexy as Ben? I don't know if anybody is. I mean, honestly, that'd be hard to beat. I it's true. I saw I saw saw a bed in the Hammer and Nigel car wash commercial that was filmed in the in the parking lot of the Antelope Club. I don't know if I if I don't know if I know a single person that could compete with Ben in that department. I remember having those guys on the show and just thinking these guys are way cooler than we are. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> hey, Ten times cooler. Hey, but we have our own studio they came now, in so our studio. So they were jealous of us. True, true. Don't you hold your head down. Get on our level. They yeah. said that we were living their their dream. Exactly. <laughs> As they take the elevators into the MS Tower, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to go to their day jobs, and uh, we, I'll do what trade. we do. I'll trade you. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Don't say that. The day job will hear that, and they'll go, "You go work there, then, son." I'll uh, go work there. Hey, if they'll offer hire me you. a contract, yeah, <laughs> let's see All what right. happens. All right, congratulations over there, to Tony Katz. Too, uh, Tony works for those guys, and he uh, he just got syndicated. He got picked up in uh, in Lafayette. So, uh, hey, Jer, friend of the friend of the show. Tony what do you Katz. want most for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? World peace. BS. What do you <laughs> really want for Christmas? Um, when you get married next year, um, you'll find that you registered for everything you could possibly want. So there is really not a material I, possession I, didn't I want. Didn't ask Chase. what Sarah wanted for Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? <laughs> We're out of things that we want. I don't want anything. Did you hear him say we? I that we out of your head. That's collectivism. <laughs> Sounds like. Communist propaganda to me. <laughs> I I want Mike flags for the show. That's what I want. That's what I want for Christmas. That's, I didn't, that's not what I got you. But I got these sweet <laughs> Mike arms. Those are cool. Um, yeah, I need nothing, Chase. Jerry, when we uh, when we go on the Chicago trip, will you spoon with me one night? Yeah, I asked for a. a yeah, I, listen, we got three separate bedrooms, but we didn't say who was staying in what bedroom. So, <laughs> if you want the girls to stay together, and you want, you just have to tell me if we're big. I'm big spoon or little spoon. All right. You All can right. switch it up. You'd be surprised. I'm a really good little spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Broyles is in the chat. He wants to know if you're getting married next year for sure. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the year after that. I don't know. We'll see. 2020? I'm feeling generous. 
I'm feeling generous. Generous. 2019. 2019 is the. uh, (laughs) Kind of sounds like Gary Busey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Have we done enough? We've done way more than enough, I think. All right. We're at an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. It has been a lot of fun. This is awkward ending hey, now tonight. Did you guys hear about the guy who said he was going to blow up the bathroom in a restaurant and he got arrested? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> two, two things we have to do. Two, two, two final thoughts. Two, two, okay. Truly. All right. Okay. We had a winner in the poll. Oh, yeah. The deer is named. You let me down, folks. It's Mac. I wanted I wanted Mac. John Chow. I voted yeah. John Chow. Ooh, it was Mac. Absolutely. Mac is the winner. And uh, Jeremiah's stupid idea of Mac. Check out. Uh, I'm, I'm very popular. <laughs> very popular. And uh, check out uh, We Are Libertarians, the, the main page. They did a great job. I'm about halfway through it. It's over a three-hour podcast, but Tad and Spangle did yep. uh, the history of impeachment. Oh, yeah, that was the, a good the, one. Uh, the Democrats are taking charge of the House, so look for potential uh, impeachment to come, be coming Trump's way in January, at least some talk of it. Uh, so it's a great primer or primer, depending upon which side of the pond you're from. Wait, we uh, still have to impeach Obama. Yeah, that's uh. probably... <laughs> Uh, that's probably as late <laughs> as your homework. Uh, I don't know if that's coming or not. So anyway, check that out. Check out uh, check out our benefactors. This episode of Boss Hog Liberty has been sponsored by Pornhub.com. <laughs> God. Jim, uh, I hope you hung up a long time ago and didn't come back and listen to the whole thing. Chase is, Chase is being what suspended from the show. Chase is being suspended for at least the next 30 seconds. Oh, no. Tom's going to cancel next week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.